Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Sounds. I'm so excited to be joined today by Cassidy Pope. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Just settling back in after tour. <laughs> yeah, so you've been out on the first leg of your tour, um, the Thrive Tour. How's it been to be back out on the road finally after all this time? It feels awesome. I, I can see it in people's eyes how hungry everybody is for live music again and um, I was getting some people saying it was their first show back since before COVID. And um, that gave me just like so much. Uh, I just felt so validated that they like chose my show to come back to see and, um, you know, taking these new songs out on the road and seeing people actually singing along was just so trippy because I'd only been, you know, looking at the internet at how people were reacting. So that was really special. And um just having that road family back and and that camaraderie with the band on stage all of that I just missed it all so much yeah and does it feel different being back like does it feel like normal shows or is, is there a different vibe I do feel a difference um and it, it might not be at the shows per se but maybe just in inside of myself I think when we get into the rhythm of touring and just being out all the time um there's this not autopilot that happens, but almost it just feels like easy as breathing. And it's just something that you do. Um, and I always have fun on stage, but there's like another level of just gratitude I have toward it now um, without having it for, you know, two years or however long, oh, my dog's popping up, sorry. Um, without having it for that amount of time, um, I just remember saying to myself, like, when I'm able to get back on the road, I'm going to soak it up. I'm going to enjoy every minute. And I really made it like a conscious effort to do that. And to, you know, if a room wasn't completely packed, but the people who were there were rocking out, I focused on that, not the fact that it was a half filled room, you know, so just like the perspective for me changed a lot amazing and as you say the new music you're touring I want to talk so much about about that album but I want to go back because I, I love to hear the origin origin sorry of where people started and you obviously have a bit of a different story to to the normal uh country singer you've kind of done everything but looking back kind of your childhood years where does your love of music and live shows and come from um, I started taking voice lessons when I was four years old. So from an early age, uh, it was a passion. Um, I remember when I started, I was really frustrated because I didn't really catch on to it um, right away. And I was, I'm, I'm still kind of like this. When I start something, I get frustrated at the learning process and I just want to be good at something right away. Um, so I, after getting through that and the growing pains of that, um, my voice coach, Marie, would um, take me and all of her students to like fairs and festivals and recitals and just get us on stage really young. So I started singing on stage probably as early as five years old, six years old. Um, so I, I, that's a place that feels really comfortable for me and has always felt like an, a second home. Um, so uh, that was sort of like my introduction into music. And then turning like 12, 13 years old and being old enough to like start to um, care about like seeing live music and going to see bands locally in, in Florida where I'm from. Um, that kind of sparked the like wanting to, the want to be in a band for me. So it all kind of shifted around like my preteen years when I saw how fun and how cool it seemed to be in a band. Yeah. And 
what kind of music and bands did you go see because you've got such an you know array of different genres obviously in your kind of former years singing in a band and, and your solo career as well you've you've kind of done everything but what was were there any main influences back then yeah I mean before the band stuff kind of um, piqued my interest I was going like my parents were great at about taking me to concerts that I like I had to see Britney Spears I had to see Backstreet Boys and Christina Aguilera and so I saw uh, Hanson I saw all of the like my, my favorite um, artists at the time when I was like super young like eight or nine years old and then um, when I started getting into more of the rock scene I was I was seeing bands at um, just local, uh, like a local spot called Raised Downtown Blues. And we had we had um, local bands playing almost like every weekend and they would play the same set list. And it was just, we had like, there was a band called Upper Clash Trash that we all would go see every weekend. Um, Mason was another band, but we would also get big bands that came through, like Paramore came through and did an acoustic show there um we got bands like the rocket summer and hello goodbye um uh, just a lot of different like bands from like the emo like scene so i in those years like those kind of formative years that that that's why i sort of developed this love for rock music because the scene was just booming and all these bands were coming through this like hole in the wall spot where i'm from and it just kind of made me want to be a part of that community I love that and I don't want to go too much into detail but you obviously had this kind of whirlwind few years in a band um before you went solo and obviously as you say you can tell where your influences come from in a nutshell which I'm sure is going to be really hard but what was it like then because you were so young at the time as well but what were them kind of few years like because it really was this did seem like a whirlwind yeah, it was so fast. I was talking about this yesterday in a writing session. Um, I was I was writing with someone who knew of Hey Monday and he was asking, you know, how was that? And and while I have so many great memories and I hate bringing anything negative up with that experience cuz I there was nothing about it that was normal. We we took off so fast. We got signed right away. Um, we were tra traveling the world. I was 18 and I was um, technically the only one signed in the band, like to the label. So I felt this tremendous amount of pressure and like tugging and pulling in every direction to keep this thing working, keep my band happy, keep the label happy, sort of like decisions that I had to make really young that I shouldn't have really had to make. Um, I had it like, a couple of people on the team that were really looking out for me, but, you know, being thrown on the road at 18, which I wasn't going to say no to, um, being thrown on the road at 18, like I didn't have anybody out with me that was checking in on my mental health, seeing how I was doing. Um, it was just like, this, this is an amazing opportunity. You must be so happy. You must be having so much fun. And it, while it was all those things, it was also just like, these were, I was still developing. Like I was still, growing as a human so like all of these um you know I'd never gone to therapy I'd, I had all these like I come from divorced parents my whole everybody in my family's divorced and like a lot of really tricky family dynamic stuff and you know when you go on the road and you're just by yourself and you like develop crushes or you start dating and it's just um a lot of stuff to navigate through without the tools so 
um, I look back on that time and while it was like really amazing and really fun, I also kind of look at 18 year old Cassidy and think, God, like you were such, you were just so like raw and there's so much there that you didn't understand. And I wish I could like go back and like bring out a counselor or something to help <laughs> me through some of those times. But um, yeah, it was just like a wacky, wacky time, but I, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing cause it just, it made me who I am today and led me to this great place in my career that I, where I'm comfortable and I, I'm having fun. So I wouldn't change anything. I love that. And I'm, I'm sure, I suppose you've learned from that as well. Like going out on the road now, you know what not to do. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. And I also, you know, when I take, when I spend time at home, I, I use that time to, um, do go to therapy, do all the wellness things that I need to do, make sure that I'm staying active, make sure that I'm getting my creative, like keeping my creative juices flowing and writing. And I don't, I don't come home. Like I used to when I was in Hey Monday and just like lay on the couch and not do anything. Like I, I, I have to keep my mind going, um, or going on tour just feels really overwhelming. So I've, I've, that's like one of the many things that I learned works for me for, around touring. Yeah, and what an experience though. And we have to talk about obviously what ha what came after that, um, which was again I can imagine such an overwhelming whirlwind experience, and that being the Voice and winning the Voice and just having. And I can't believe it's been nine years, ten years this year. Uh, I know. At the end of this year, and um, again, what was that like? Because you were still super young. You are catapulted onto this like worldwide stage. Um, singing in front of I mean obviously in front of four incredible coaches but millions of people what was that like to to go from I suppose as well being in the comfort of a band to being on your own uh, yeah it was it was really scary um I I've never I hey Monday did a couple of live television performances like Jimmy Kimmel and this other Fuse show like Mark Hoppus's show but we we never I mean, that was it. Like we weren't, you know, on live television all the time. So this was such a jolt for me. And it was so scary because I knew any, I could mess up a lyric, I could trip, I could, anything that would happen would just be documented and it would never go away. It would always be on, on TV or online for people to look at. So that got in my head and I was always super, super nervous before performance. Um, and I thought like, I think touring did help me sort of like prepare me in, in a way. I think the endurance part um, kicked in. Um, a, a lot of people were like losing their voices and getting sick. And I sort of knew all like the tricks and the like technically the right way to sing to keep that from happening. I think I got sick one time because it was just like the nerves and the stress, but um, that did help a lot. Um, but in general, it was, it was really grueling and really hard. I, I, since I come from like the more rock leaning world, I always looked at vocal competition shows as like the easy way out. And it's what people do to just make it happen quickly. And since I had done the band thing and been singing since I was a kid and felt like this was like my last resort. Um, I did it and then I realized it's not the easy way out. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, anyone who thinks it's easy, just like do it. You know, it's, it's so hard, but, um, but I, I learned a lot. I think I became a better vocalist, even just during the competition. I, um, 
they were amazing and set us up with voice coaches during the whole time and just do, like learning new exercises. And I felt, I just felt like I was improving my, I was like perfecting my craft in a way during that show. And uh, yeah, but it was, it was like night and day compared to what I had done before. <laughs> and I can imagine as well, so you said you, you know, you learned a lot and you became best vocalist. What I I'm so intrigued about is going into the voice and, and starting a solo career did you have an idea of what kind of genre you wanted to go into? Because you have, as I said, like you've dipped in and out of all these, you know, rock and obviously now mainly country, but going onto the voice, you sing kind of a, a pop song and then you go to Team Blake. Did you have an idea of, of who you wanted to be as an artist? And did you want to kind of settle in a genre or were you happy to just see what happened? Yeah, I was happy to see what would happen because I, um, at that point I had done Hey Monday, I went to LA and did the solo thing and sort of, and I came out with a, an EP that was just like a hybrid of like pop and rock, but it was like, I had a lot of synth stuff. It was not fully realized at all. And I didn't, that wasn't an indication of where I was even headed. So I was just like, I'm just going to go on the show and see like where this takes me. I was the one who like wrote down the country covers that I ended up doing because I sang Cry as a Kid by Faith Hill, um, I Love Over You by Miranda Lambert, um, Stand by Rascal Flatts was Blake's choice um, and I loved that song but in general like all the songs that I covered I wrote down as like songs that I wanted to cover so I and I did Avril, I did Michelle Branch so like going into it I thought I'm, I'm just going to do my version of all these songs and hope that there's this single thread through everything where people don't have to wonder like, what is she? Is she pop? Is she rock? And I will maybe like spell out that like, maybe I'm both and maybe I, I'm pretty versatile and maybe I hopefully will be able to do all of them and be accepted and embraced. So that was sort of like my approach of, of doing a bunch of different things and never really strayed far from like the pop rock country sound. I wasn't doing, you know, classical or anything like that. Um, I stayed within that realm, but I was like totally open to see where that landed for me. And obviously it worked because <laughs> look at you now. And <laughs> I suppose winning it, like, did you feel, I'm, I'm assuming you felt a lot of things, but do you kind of feel like the world's your oyster in a sense, because you're on this massive platform I'm assuming you've got loads of different people wanting you, wanting to do things. Did you have a lot of option as to where you went next? Um, not, not exactly. I had, I was pretty locked into like a universal deal. Um, so like I had the choice of going pop or country. And when I decided I wanted to go to Nashville, we renegotiated the deal a little bit to work for um, Republic Nashville. So I, I already had a deal that I like signed before the blind auditions. Like you have to sign these deals before you even start the show. So I knew I would be locked into that, which was totally awesome. And, and what we did together was great. Um, I, wish I, I wish I had really understood the gravity of the situation because I probably could have collaborated with more people than I did. But I think I had, I had such an interesting mixture of, of people on my team. I had um, like pop managers based in LA and then I had Republic Nashville here in Nashville. And I didn't 
really have anybody on the ground here, um, management wise, sort of like um, taking me around to the different offices and taking me around to like meet people in person. I was sort of just like all of a sudden a name everybody knew. And I, and, and I, I wish I had like really just had the confidence to be like, I want to sing with Miranda Lambert. I want to sing with, you know, and just like said the people I wanted to collaborate with. Cause I just came here and I was so blown away. People even wanted to write with me. And I was so, con- it was like, all of a sudden I'm in rooms with Shane McAnally and Hillary Lindsay and stuff. And I'd never written with them before. So uh, it was like, yes, my, the world was my oyster to a certain extent with a lot of like red tape and a lot mm-hmm. of boundaries. Yeah, I, I completely get that. And I suppose going into it, as you say, you're, you're writing with these amazing names, but do you feel an immense kind of pressure because you've, because you've won this show and you've got, you know, as you say, people know your names and you're in these rooms. What's that pressure like to to perform and to, you know, do well? It was intense. Um, I wanted to prove myself. Um, I think with any winner of any of these shows, you have that amount of pressure on yourself to prove that you're an artist, that you're not a singer who just covered a bunch of songs and now you have no vision for yourself. You want to go into these sessions with a concept, with an idea, with a direction for the project. So I worked really hard to make sure that I went into sessions prepared. Um, And I think like in any genre, it's sort of like that, but there's something about country music and Nashville in particular, where they, it's such, there's, everybody's under such a microscope as far as like how authentic are you in the fact that you wanna do country music? Are you using us as a stepping stool? do you have a history be like in like with southern roots like are you i was splitting my time at that point between la and nashville and even that wasn't really sitting well with a lot of people so i eventually i loved splitting my time um but i knew that it could have been a detriment to my career so i came to nashville full time because i wanted to keep proving to people like I'm, I'm for real. Like I, I grew up learning to sing on country music. I have Southern roots as far as my family and my upbringing and the music we would listen to. And I just, I didn't want, I didn't want to lose the opportunity to like do it for real, but by splitting my time. So there was a level of pressure there. Um, but yeah, in general, like I, it was weird having had all this history in music before the voice and like cutting my teeth on the road and really like grinding it out to coming to Nashville and people looking at me like this new artist that like hasn't that's just done a show and that's like the extent of what I've done and it's like okay time to like prove myself again you know so it was pretty difficult but I think I think I did it (laughs) you you definitely did (laughs) you definitely did and and yeah I, I suppose and I, I you know, talk about a lot of, about whirlwinds because you've had all these kind of different journeys, I suppose, in, in such a, well, we say 10 years since The Voice. It does not seem that long at all. I know the last few years obviously got moved into one, but then first few years, obviously, after winning, you had one of the biggest hits, Wasting All These Tears. And still now, like you listen to like, uh, you read things that are like top songs of the decade and it comes up and you did these massive tours with some amazing artists does it, as you say, you know, kind of feel like you're this newbie again? Did it feel like you were starting again, completely from scratch? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and it was weird every once in a while, it would be like someone in the, in the writing session would be like, I love Tay Monday. And I know, I know your history and that's so cool. And, um, and it would like kind of remind me like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm like seasoned. I, I don't need to feel inferior. I don't need to feel like the new kid on the block. That's just an insecurity of mine. Um, Cause everybody was nice. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't go through a hazing or anything like that. So um, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was weird. It was weird sort of like starting from scratch and starting a new career in a new genre. Um, when I had all of these accomplishments from Hey Monday and all these fans that were like, you're doing country now, <laughs> you know, they didn't get it. They were so confused and probably still are. Um, so yeah, it was just like a lot of kind of explaining myself, which you know, I didn't have to do, but I felt like at the time I needed to. Yeah. And at that time, at that point, how much kind of control did you have over what songs you were putting out? Because as I say, Waiting on These Tears, like, was such a, a hit, still is such a hit. Um, why did you, or did you choose that song? Why did you choose that song to be kind of your, you know, the start of everything? Um, so that one was an outside song that I heard, um, and I just fell in love with it. I, we actually had to sort of like, um, convince one of the writers, Caitlin Smith, who was like thinking about releasing it herself to like, let me have it. Um, and thankfully she did and she's killing it. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't set her back at all, but, uh, that, so I went on a radio tour, um, a country radio tour pretty soon after the voice. And one of the things we wanted to do was like gauge what the what radio stations thought should be the leading single. Cause they, after all, they're the ones that are going to like help break this song. And everybody like unanimously was like wasting all these tears is, is the first single that's where you should go first. And so that, that, really dictated the decision but I also just loved it and I felt it felt like a country Avril song to me and it just felt like everything I've always loved um and I got to belt and I got to be dramatic and I got to do this really dramatic video and so it just and it felt like sort of emo in a way so I just was like this is all the, these are all the things that I I want to present myself as so that I definitely had a say in that. Um, and in general for the album, I wrote half of it and the other half were songs that were pitched to me that I loved that I put on the record. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't until after that record where things started to get a little hairy, where I wasn't really able to make the musical decisions that I wanted to make. There was like a lot of gatekeepers and a lot of people keeping me from like releasing music to my fans so the first album went great <laughs> it was after that was like pretty tricky yeah and you you did as you say you, know, you had a couple of years there where it was all a bit different but one of the things and I'm I'm not gonna kind of dwell on them years too much because I really want to talk about the the last few years and the last the last two releases but one thing you did do in those years and I can't believe it's been seven years since the release of this song but the duet with Chris Young thank mm -hmm. you we have to mention um again one of like the biggest hits of the last decade and um, how did you become a part of that song I was playing a radio show in Florida the same time as Chris was um it was like a writer's round um for artists and uh he had never seen me sing in person I guess um he had heard me sing on records but not in person and 
he had think of you done. It just didn't have like the female counterpart on it that he wanted. And so he heard me sing that gave him the idea to include me. Um, I was at a point in my career where like the second single got pulled from radio, like nothing, like nothing was working at that time. So I, I'm still so grateful that he chose me in that moment. Cause I really wasn't like probably like I didn't feel like I was bringing much to the table other than other than my voice. He could have chosen like another female on the top of her career. But um, yeah, that was how. And he just got in touch with my team. He sent me the demo. I freaking loved it. And I was like, cool, I'm singing on a, on a Chris cut. Awesome. And then he made it a single. And that's when I was like, this might change my life. And then we got a Grammy nomination. And then we got all the, the other nominations and it was just, yeah, it changed my life. It was amazing. It really, it really did kind of have that overnight success feel of it. Um, it because you performed it, some massive awards, as you say, yeah, Grammy nomination. We, do you, as you just said, it might change your life. Do you feel like it did? And do you feel like, again, obviously you had them few years where it was a little bit rough and I suppose starting again, another new chapter, is that what it felt like? Yeah, it did. It was like this resurgence for me, for my confidence, for my career. Um, it, it, I felt like having someone like Chris Young back me up and sort of endorse me gave me a little bit more like credibility because he's such he is he's such a staple for me. Like when I think of Chris Young, he's such a staple in country music because he's got like thirteen, maybe fifteen. I don't even know number ones at country radio. He's got like such an amazing voice an iconic country sounding voice but just in general technically it's like an, he's got one of the best voices and he's written with everyone in town um he's just been he's been in the game for a long time and so having him like say she's great you know and and do do interviews together where he's like hyping me up it's like it just I think it did wonders for how I was perceived, especially just in this town. Um, and I now, when I play a set, I have that song that I bring out that everybody knows and it gets people pumped. And it's just, I'm so grateful to have, have that. And like, it just in general, it gets, it's just, it got me a lot more eyes on me and, and gave me another platform. So it was just in general, like, it just gave me so many more opportunities than I had before. Yeah. And um, as you say, what a great song to get to to get to play every night on your on your set as well. Um, yeah. And then going forward from that, I'm going to kind of skip through a few years just because I really want to talk about what you have done in the last two years, which considering we've been locked down for most of it is a lot. Um, but you had obviously another record come out and then the world shut down. And where were you at when that happened? Um, we because you were on an album cycle, right? And everything kind of stopped. So yeah. as a performer, what, what do you do? How do you feel at that time? I felt, I, 2019 was such a great year for me. And my album Stages came out that February of 2019. And I, I actually didn't feel like the album had um, any, a lot more life to live I, I it's it's never gonna die it's out there but as far as like promo and everything I just felt like I was ready to like move on and I had already started writing and I had already had some songs that I wanted to start cutting um so when the pandemic hit uh I was like ready to start a new project but I obviously couldn't get in with anyone to to record 
which was a blessing in disguise because I had songs that I liked, but I wasn't reinventing the wheel by any means. I wasn't really showcasing what makes me different and, and unique. It was very country radio friendly. It was very like playing by the rules within the confines of like what radio will play. And um, like everyone else, I got really reflective during the downtime and just nostalgic and was like, I get, yeah, like the thing that makes me different is my history in rock music and like the authentic history that I have. I actually did that. And I've, I've like sort of been trying to conceal that and prove to people that I'm actually a country artist when I'm both and I can do both authentically. So that's when it's just like in 2020, I just leaned into the Zoom writing session, you know, fad and um, wrote the, the, the whole record thrive basically. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how that transpired. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of all that, you released Rise and Shine as well, which is such a, a project that I suppose in a sense was a little bit risky because it was it was so different. But I think that's what made it so perfect. And that was literally released mid like lockdown. What yeah. made you release that at that time? I well it was like a kind of a drunken decision um one <laughs> night I was on we were just at the house um and my boyfriend and my mom and sister and I were talking about songs that I have in my back pocket that I just um I love but that never fully fit on any other projects and don't feel like massive hits that will change my career but like how I would how I just would love to just release them and like have them have people just have them and we all were like well why wouldn't I just do that <laughs> and so I um and I thought you know how can I do this safely it was like you said in the thick of COVID and I thought well you know cutting out the band aspect and just having one person um a producer slash guitarist to do it would keep it a little bit more like confined and so I got in touch with a guitar player slash producer Todd Lombardo um he, I told him, you know, I'm working on a record now that's going to be more pop rock country. Um, and I would love to do an acoustic record where it's sort of a bridge in between country and pop rock. And like, let's do a lot of open tuning. Let's sort of make it like if dashboard confessional, like we're doing a country leaning acoustic record. And so he nailed it and I'm, I just love the way it turned out, but I just wanted, I wanted to sort of mirror like what we were going through as an, like as a world, like we were all still and suffering in our own different ways. And um, for me, acoustic uh, records feel like so heartbreaking and, and haunting and sad, but also I have songs on there that are more uplifting and happy. And so I wanted to like kind of cover all the different emotions we were all feeling all at the same time and heighten them. Um, and I think like acoustic, the way that Todd played the guitars and the way I sang, it just made it more emotional. So that was like, that was the decision. And, and honestly, from I, the idea of doing it to it coming out, it was only about like four, four months of, of the process. So it was pretty quick. <laughs> Yeah, well, I for one am very glad you released it. I have to say, like, Hangover is like my driving song. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank <laughs> boom, you. turn up. And so I love that you <laughs> released it. And I love, as you say, like bridging that gap. And then I, I didn't know that you'd written Thrive at this point. So I love that, that it kind of came out in the midst of all that. And then Thrive came out uh, 
towards the end of last year and it's it's such a great record and as you say it shows all these different aspects of of what you've touched on over the years and before we go into it I want to talk about um one of the collaborations on it um Stasi with Karen Fairchild and Lindsay L and particularly Karen Fairchild of obviously of Little Big Town produced the record as well with you how did Mm -hmm. that relationship and that kind of collaboration all come about with her particularly on the producing side so she has always been like a mentor for me um when I first met her she was just so warm it was probably at like the ACMs or something one of my first things I did was like go to the ACMs in 2013 and she's just always come up to me knew my name and just was like so inviting and and just embraced me and and then later on um around like 2018 maybe even 2017 when I like really had just a massive shift in my career where I got rid of like management and got off the label and got off publishing where I asked if she would meet with me to talk through like some people I had heard that might be good options for management and just pick her brain about stuff and um since that lunch um a few years ago she's just always been there and has always been like if I have a question or if I wanted to bounce something off of her, like an idea or something, she would always say yes and meet with me. And I'm not the only one that she does that with. She does that with everybody else. All the other female artists in town all call her like the fairy godmother. Like she's always helping all of us. So when it came time to make the record, I knew I was using Nick Wheeler from All American Rejects to produce it. And then I thought, well, there is a hint of country still in my songwriting and in just in my voice. And I don't want to lose that. So maybe bringing in someone in the country realm who has a good ear, who has great sensibilities, who's still edgy and has like a rock vibe can come in and like, and add to our dynamic. And I thought of her and she was like, I don't even know what that would look like, but sure. And we didn't know what the role would be or what, but she was at every session, every every moment of, of me tracking, she was there. She like did a level of vocal producing as well. She sang harmonies on songs that she wasn't featured on. Um, and then of course she, she kind of offered herself to feature on what the stars see. I was like, Oh my God, really? Are you serious? <laughs> and so, uh, and then, you know, we thought of Lindsay cause it's such a guitar driven song, um, for her to have her moment on that song too. But yeah, that's, that's how Karen, sort of got involved I absolutely love that and I love that you you say about Lindsay featuring on itself because it's very rare that you get firstly a collaboration with three people but also three women um so was that quite a you know a moment to have that on your record the three of you yeah it felt really powerful um it's not the obvious female anthem um you know we're not singing about like slashing a guy's tires or or even like you know go women it's not this like inspirational song it's a song about wishing you could see what your ex is doing like the stars can see them in their most private moments it's kind of an an embarrassing um confession of a lyric and to have three women singing it together and and like expressing that same sentiment together it felt like we're creating a safe space for other people to feel this way. And, and it, for me, who I, I wrote it, I didn't write it with them for me as like a person that wrote the lyrics to have those two women endorse the message 
made me feel seen and heard and like, I'm not alone. So just in general, it felt like it, it was just like this, um, you know, we were like, we're not going to like change the world with this song, but we're going to make people feel comfortable with this feeling if they have it, which I, I always try and do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a relatable song and you're, you're right. And to have that endorsement is so great. And I want to talk really briefly about the title track to the record, because it's, it's such an important word and uh, really meaningful, obviously, reflecting on the, the whole career you've had because you have thrived and it's just been amazing. But was there a reason you chose that particularly to be the title track? Yeah, I, um, when I wrote it, I was like, Thrive feels like the staple of the record. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to surround it with like the supporting acts basically. But I, um, when it came time to name the record, I felt like at first I was like, does Thrive sound cocky? You know, does Thrive sound like I'm saying, look at me living my best life. And I kind of spun it because the song Thrive is, is about, yes, like, not just surviving something, but thriving from it. But for me, the word feels like this chapter in my life where I'm being so authentically myself right now in this moment, that just makes me thrive in itself. It makes me feel good. It makes me live um, authentically and, and happily. So like, I just thought that for me has so many different meanings, not just what the song means, but just like me being me. Um, and so I just thought, like, I thought that one word feels so, so powerful. Um, and even just the song, the messaging, um, I was happy for that to be, you know, the leading message of, of the album. Like, we don't just survive things, we thrive and we, we get back up and we're resilient and we, we forge forward and um, not to say we can't have like bad days where we don't get out of bed, but we don't let those people who hurt us um, win by folding, you know? So that was, I was happy for that to be the leading message. I absolutely love, I think it's so important. And do you think, obviously you've you've said this is, this is more of a a pop rock album, but you've still got that, that country vibe and you've still got all these different genres. Do you think that going forward, you'll stick to that? Or are you just gonna kind of take each, each writing session, each album cycle, et cetera, as it comes? I'm probably going to take it as it comes because I'm already, I'm already writing and I'm already seeing a shift again. And so I, and I told my team, I was like, look, I, I'm just, I've done the thing my whole career where I feel so pressured to like not confuse people and be one thing so that they can digest it. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not old. I'm 32, but I'm, I've been in this industry so long now that all I just all I want to do is enjoy myself and release the stuff that feels good to me in the moment and move on and then release stuff that feels good to me in the moment again and move on and so yeah I I um I can already tell I'm headed even maybe even further into the pop rock space um maybe less of a country hint um going forward but that's just like a few songs in so we'll see but um that's sort of where just things are headed naturally right now. 
I love that. No, I'm looking forward to hearing all that's to come because it, as I say, such a such a great record. I'm going to wrap up slightly here, but I have I have three questions which I ask everyone. I end every podcast with it. Um, so I might throw you off and I think this is going to be a real array of answers. Um, they're all around three. <laughs> but um, firstly, do you have three songs that you wish you'd have written? Oh, yeah. I mean, Yes, at least. Um, I I wished I would have written Hallelujah. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I wish I would have written I Want It That Way. Because <laughs> I just think that melody is one of the best melodies <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, and I wish I wrote Happy Birthday. <laughs> it's the most sung song on the planet so why not exactly exactly <laughs> I knew it would be in a rare of answers <laughs> yes um, what about three albums you couldn't live without oh um I couldn't live without uh come on over by Shania Twain um take off your pants and jacket blink 182 and it's more of a recent record, but I absolutely love Biffy Clyro and they, they released an album in the pandemic called Celebration of Endings. And I listen to that frequently. Amazing. Um, and final one, three artists or writers, producers that you haven't yet worked with that you'd like to work with in the future. We also use this as a manifesting session. <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. Um, we're going to manifest working with Mutt Lang someday. Big fan. Um, I would love to collaborate with uh, Tom DeLonge and Shania Twain. I, again, it can happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see that collaboration happening at some point in the future. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and so last, very last thing, obviously you're heading back out on tour very shortly I know you've got a lot of festivals and things lined up over the summer um but what's next for you obviously you're still touring Thrive but you're back writing as you say already so what's to come are we to expect new music or are you just kind of on the Thrive ride at the moment I'm simultaneously on the Thrive ride and um and creating some some new music I really want the next chapter of whatever the new music is going to be to feel um supported as far as a team that understands where I'm going to go um I have a, like a Nashville based team right now and I'm almost thinking the next project I'm going to need to expand beyond Nashville <laughs> so I, I think it's going to take a sec to get all that configuration figured out but um yeah I'm really excited I'm really excited about what I've been creating um now and I think the direction is is um it just feels more, more like me even, um, and more, uh, I don't know, risky, a little darker, um, lyrically it's, it's a little bit more colorful and I feel challenged, which I haven't felt in the songwriting realm in a long time. So that's really exciting. So yeah, I I'm, I'm feeling like refreshed and like I'm on something new and, uh, it's exciting. It is very exciting. Well, I really look forward to hearing all that's to come um, and congratulations on obviously all the success so far. I can't wait to, to see you continue to thrive, uh, pun intended. <laughs> um, but thank you so, so much for coming on the show and for sharing the stories. It's been so great to have you. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Anytime.